Acts. There's no title on the message tonight. If you want to put one on there, you could just put Back to Normal. Uh, several years ago, I read a book called Back to Normal. I would tell you the author if I could remember it, but I can't remember the author. But those of you that are uh, technology savvy, you can look it up on your on your screen there, and you'll find out who the author is. But uh, Back to Normal has the idea of uh, you and I being quickened, uh, a quickening, you and I being revived, that type of a definition, that type of a meaning. In Psalm 85 and verse number 6, we read this, uh, Will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? And, you know, I've always said it's the believers that need revival. The lost people don't even get the Scripture, so they're not interested in it. But you and I ought to be interested in all the time, over and over again. And uh, I don't know about you, but I like to have a rejoicing spirit in the Lord. And if I don't have a rejoicing spirit in the Lord, then I'm low on revival. My revival gauge is on running on empty. So, uh, verse number 6, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Father, we pray tonight as we look at your word regarding this subject of revival and quickening that you will stir our hearts and draw us to yourself. Help us to realize how much we need you. One songwriter writes that we need you every day and another hour by hour and another moment by moment. And Lord, we understand fully as a church that every breath we get is a gift of your grace. Every heartbeat is a gift of your mercy and grace. Lord, help us not to forget how much we need you and how much we need a continual supply of revival in our hearts and lives each day to live for you effectively. So help us this evening, and we'll thank you for the help that you give. In Christ's name, amen. Now, if I were doing a Sunday school class, I would ask for a little bit of feedback here, but we're not doing that, so let me answer the questions for you. Does normal mean spectacular, dynamic, or just exactly what does it mean normal? We're... uh struggling with a COVID-19 and a variant issue right now, and people are waiting for things to get back to normal. So we say, well, what's that? Well, part of normal would be uh, we don't have to distance ourselves six feet apart, or if you live in South Dakota, 60 feet apart, because that's not that many people here, and uh, the mask would disappear. That would help us bring back to a little bit of normalcy. But I think normal just means to be able to live without a lot of restrictions and a lot of restraints and a lot of loss and a lot of sorrow. I think normal is being able to uh, rejoice, as it says there in in verse number 6. Just being able to rejoice in the Lord. How does a normal Christian behave? How does he look? Well, that's a good question. You know, when we were in high school, there was a phrase, whenever we saw somebody that looked really like they had everything together, we would say, he looks cool, calm, and collected. That's what we thought Christian behavior was like, or that's what we, ta- that's what we thought normal behavior was like. And uh, is it normal for a Christian to be calm? Uh, cool isn't generally a word we use to describe Christians, but cool is the idea that they're relaxed and comfortable in their standing with the Lord. And collected would have the idea that they've got their act together. They understand what's going on. And they're trusting the Lord. 
And then we say number three here, as a parent, what makes a child normal? Well, what makes a child abnormal? Well, our first daughter had an abnormal development with her feet. Her feet were pointed out. So the doctor sent her home with a brace. And she had this little metal brace on her little tiny feet. And each night we were to click it a couple clicks closer together. Because he wanted our little girl to walk right when she started walking. And so they would try to correct her walk. Uh, if you're a parent and, you're, and your child is two or three years old and they're not, they're not verbalizing, they're not speaking right, they're not talking right, that would be abnormal. You'd take your child into the doctor and say, what's wrong? And there are different characteristics. Uh, hearing. I have a sister that lives in Watertown who's deaf. And for the first year or two, we had no idea she was deaf. But after about age two or three, she could not talk the way the rest of the kids talk. And let me remind you, there was ten of us. But Julie, that's my sister's name, she would not talk right. And so my mother finally took her to a hearing specialist, and they found out at age two or three that she had a hearing loss and that she was deaf, and she'd have to go to deaf school. And uh, in deaf school, they taught her how to uh, read sign language, how to speak in sign language, how to read lips. And so today, even when she talks, she talks with a discrepancy. It's not at all like a normal talk, but she uh, she's learning to talk right. So uh, when a child is abnormal, we, we want to, as good parents and good doctors, we want to fix that. And I think it's normal also for believers that we talk right, and we walk right, and we hear right, and we do all the other things right. That would make us normal believers. So we should do those things, and I think that's, that's good. The Hebrew word for quickening Revival, if you want to put the two words together, is Sheya. Probably never thought you'd get Hebrew from Pastor Forsberg tonight, but there you go. Sheya. Now you can tell Pastor Yoder and he'll be impressed that I gave you a Hebrew word. But Psalm 119 gives us a good definition of that word. Psalm 119 defines it for us. And so we're going to look at some words here that are some verses that have the word quickening in the verse. Now, if you're trying to guess the answers that are in the blanks there, the letter for tonight is the letter H, okay? If you want to look ahead and guess, you can. But we're going to start in verse number 25 of Psalm 119. So flip over in your Bibles to Psalm 119, and let's start in verse number 25. And let's see, by the time we get down to 11 of these verses, if we can understand what back to normal quickening and what revival looks like, okay? First of all, the BTN, can you figure that out, class? Back to normal, okay? Back to normal for the believer is found in humility. Look at verse 25 of Psalm 119. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. And dust is a picture of humility. Quicken, revive me, quicken me according to thy word. And I think the idea behind the first one here is that for you and I to remain humble and practice humility, we've got to remember our Creator God. He made us. He knows all about us. 
He sees everything, he hears everything, and that ought to humble us. There's nothing we can do in secret away from his eyes and away from his ears. He's our great creator. He made us out of dust, actually out of nothing, and here we are privileged to walk the earth on his behalf. So to be a normal or a quickened or a revived Christian, we should have some humbleness about us. We should have humility. We should not be proud and arrogant and foolish and caustic and arrogant. We should be humble. Secondly, look at verse 37. Back to normal is when we get help. When we get help from the empty stuff. Now, empty is the way I abbreviate the word empty. E-M-T-Y. I use the empty initials to in a Bible study one time my friend called me up and he says what does MT mean and I said well it's like your refrigerator or your gas tank when there's nothing in it it's empty oh that's what it means okay look at verse 37 of Psalm 119 turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity that's emptiness and quicken me there's the word again quicken thou me in thy way I heard the illustration this week of an evangelist that had a whole bunch of these little stickers, these little stick-on stickers. He had like a hundred of them made. And as he was delivering his message up in front of the people, he went around and everything he saw, he put this little sticker on there. He put the sticker on the pulpit, the sticker on the microphone, the sticker on the chair, and the sticker on the hymn book. Put a sticker on everything. And you know what it said on the sticker? Temporary. Temporary. It's just stuff. It's just stuff. You know, the only things we'll be able to take to heaven with us are the souls of other believers and the Word of God. Because when you memorize the Word of God, that goes to heaven with you. Because His Word lasts forever. And it's amazing to me that we spend so much time and energy on things that are just temporary. And when we're quickened and when we're back to normal, then I think we understand that the Lord helps us. He frees us from all that vain stuff from all that empty stuff. He frees us from beholding vanity. Verse number 40 of Psalm 119 helps us also with the definition. Not only is back to normal found in humility and in help from the Lord, but it is also a strong hunger. Back to normal is when you and I have a strong hunger for the Bible. Are we still alive? Did I talk too loud? Okay, well, he adjusts that. Can you hear me back there? Can you hear me okay? Verse number 40. If he does that again, remind us ahead of time so we can go like this. Okay? Hunger. Look at verse 40. The psalmist writes, Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. That's a hunger. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Now, a lot of people ask me as a pastor, how can you tell if somebody's a Christian? And I tell them that, well, I don't know all the ways, but one of the best ways is to see how hungry they are. If they're hungry for the truth, that's a good indicator. But if you try to show them a Bible verse and correct their error, and they walk away or they're not interested, then that means they have no hunger for the truth. Well, you and I that are revived, you and I that are quickened, you and I that are trying to live a normal Christian life, we should display a hunger for the Word of God. 
I think that's a real mark of a true believer. Without a hunger to learn more of His Word, to memorize more of His Word, to apply more of His Word in our hearts and lives, I think we're telling on ourselves. So we have humility, help, hunger. How about the fourth one here? The fourth one is happiness. Look at verse 50. Psalm 119 and verse number 50. We'll find the word quickening again. This is my comfort in my affliction. For thy word hath quickened me, hath brought me back to normal. Your word has revived me, the psalmist is saying. Your word has given me comfort in my trials. The word that they use in the verse here is affliction. You know, it's one thing to be comfortable in the joys of life, but it's quite another thing to be able to sleep and be comfortable in the trials of life. And when we're experiencing normal Christian behavior, we should be able to trust God not only for the good times, but also for the times that are a little troubling and a little difficult. He is our God, He is the creator of the universe, and He longs to help us, and He will help us and restore our hope if we will just listen to His word. Number five is the word harmony. Look at verse number 88. Verse number 88 of Psalm 119. We'll find the word quicken again. Quicken me after thy loving kindness, so shall I keep thy testimony in thy mouth. And I believe the harmony comes with our Creator because He gives us an understanding for the times. Yeah, I think it's interesting in Psalm 119 where the psalmist prays five times, Lord, give me understanding. Give me understanding. Give me understanding. And I don't know about you, but I copy that. I get a call at 3 o'clock in the morning and somebody in my family or in the church family is having a tragedy and I say, Lord, give me understanding. Help me to know what to say, how to pray. Help me to figure out why this is happening and what good can come out of it. And I think that's where that's what that's what back to normal is. That's what quickening is. That's what revival is, is when we see the Lord's loving kindness in all situations and He gives us understanding for the times. Verse number 88. Look at verse number 93. Back to normal is having Scripture always at hand. Look at verse 93. Unless thy law had been my delights. I don't know about you, but I think this psalmist was one who carried a couple of scrolls along with him. He probably had a scroll under this arm and this arm. I think it was around him all the time, close by. He said, unless I had found delight in your word, in your law... I should then have perished in mine affliction. And um, I think it's very important for you and I to have verses close at hand. A um, little play on words here. There's old timer's disease. That's when you can't remember where you put your car keys. And then there's Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, and that's when you can't remember what you forgot. But we probably could come up with a word here, a corner phrase of verse minders. We need some verse minders when we get in a when we get in a jam and when we get in a pickle. Can we think of a verse that will rescue us and restore our hope? I think it's important that we have a lot of verses available in our memory bank so we can pull them out when the situation calls for a good verse to help us. So one is the word humility, two is the word help, three is the word hunger, four is the word happiness. 
Five is the word harmony. Six is the word having from verse 93. Now let's look at verse 107 and we'll see that we'll use the word healing. Look at verse 107. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. Now we want to be careful here with healing because we know there are some other groups out there that practice the kind of healing that's um, tricky. And I do believe God is the great healer, and I do believe he is the great helper. But oftentimes when he heals, he heals in such a way that man dare not take the credit. Because if man takes the credit, then all of a sudden, what, what do you need God for? So I think, I think it's interesting how God works in healing, especially during the pains of life in the times when we're afflicted. The psalmist says here, I am afflicted very much, which means he didn't have just a few problems. It wasn't just a chapter 12 bankruptcy. It wasn't just a loss of a family member. It wasn't just a loss of his, his sheep and his cattle. He had a lot of affliction. And he says, I have been afflicted very much. And he says, I need to get back to normal. I need to be quickened. I need to be revived. And he said, Lord, do that according to your word. Use your word to heal the heartache that I'm experiencing in my affliction. And God can do that, and he will do that. Number eight is the hearing. Back to normal includes God hearing our voice in prayer. You know, the Bible says if we have iniquity in our heart, the Lord doesn't hear us. Well, being back to normal means that God does hear us. He hears our voice when we pray. Verse 149 of Psalm 119. Hear my voice according to thy loving kindness. And we see the word quickening again. It says, O Lord, quicken me. Revive me. Bring me back to normal. Sheya, Hebrew. Quicken me according to thy judgments. So when God hears our voice in prayers, our prayers are not hindered. Our prayers don't just bounce off the ceiling and come back in our lap and we get discouraged. Our prayers actually make it to the throne of grace and he answers our prayers. I don't know about you, but I love it when he answers my prayer. I love it when he answers my prayers in advance. I really love it when he answers my prayers and I haven't even prayed about it. And he says he'll do that. And that's one of the characteristics of being back to normal. That's one of the characteristics of living in a revived state or in a quickening state. He hears our voice in prayer. He corrects us. And he passes proper judgment. You know, there is such a thing as good judgment. I don't know if you've ever received good judgment, but my wife and I have had a chance to receive at least good judgment on two occasions. On one occasion, she was she was fired for, for being a rowdy waitress. Now, you all know Lynn. Who in the world would fire Lynn for being a rowdy waitress? But anyway, we challenged the restaurant owner on his call, and we found out that the restaurant owner was simply doing that so he wouldn't have to pay unemployment taxes. And we challenged him, and the court said, look, the owner of that restaurant is wrong. He's not even here to accuse your wife. You'll get a good judgment in your favor, and she will get all her back pay. And God does provide good judgment sometimes. Not all judgment is bad. Remember this, God always does the right thing. You know, when the town drunk or the town skunk or the town scoundrel, when he dies, 
people ask the preacher, well, what do you think? Did he make it to heaven? And I say, I don't know, but I can tell you this, God did the right thing. God did the right thing. I don't know if that individual made it to heaven or not, but God always does the right thing, even if it doesn't seem right to us. That's his nature. He is good at helping us and hearing our prayer. Number nine here. Uh, back to normal is a lawyer, or and here this is a play on word, but a husband. He's a protector for us. He pleads our case. Look at verse 154. The psalmist says, plead my cause and deliver me. Quicken me, there's the word again. Revive me, bring me back to, bring me back to normal. Quicken me according to thy judgments. Now you say, well, why did you pick the word husband? Well, it's interesting. I think it's in Romans 7.4. Romans 7.4, if you look it up, it says we need to be married to that one which is risen from the dead. And so it's kind of like this. This is the way I see it. When a, when a man takes a wife, she's the helpmeet for his needs. When we trust the Savior, we're kind of the helpmeet for his use of us. He, he uses us to distribute tracts. He uses us to preach the word and witness. He uses us to pray on the behalf of those that are lost. He uses us in our prayers to help those that are suffering affliction. So he is a protector for us. He's our great advocate. We read about that in the New Testament. The best lawyer in the universe is none other than Christ himself. And when we realize that he's the best lawyer possible to protect us in all our problems, he pleads our case. He helps us. He pleads our cause. And then we can relax a little bit. I don't know if you, any of you have had the opportunity to be in a courtroom, but I've been in a courtroom about a half a dozen times, and I'll tell you what, it's, it's, it's a mysterious experience because sometimes the air is so thick you can cut it with a knife. But I've learned to relax in the courtroom because I realize that God's in charge. He can turn the heart of the judge. He can turn the heart of the king. He can turn my heart. He can do anything he wants because he's in charge. We have a great advocate. I use the word husband there. Uh, because it starts with the letter H, okay? Don't be bitter. Get over it. Let's go to number 10 here. Back to normal is harboring, harboring his mercy close at hand. Look at verse 156. 156. Great are thy tender mercies, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgments. The Bible, I think there's one psalm that it says, His mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. And all through that psalm, it uses that phrase. And what we do is we keep His mercy close at hand. That's what makes it great. You know, when the car, when the police car pulls up behind you and the little bubbles are flashing, you say, Lord, it'd be a good time for a little mercy. I hope he's in a good mood. <laughs> And the cop comes up and says, hey, your taillight's out. Get it fixed or I'm going to stop you again. That's mercy, okay? And uh, the Lord has an abundance of mercy. He's got a big mountain of mercy. When we get to heaven, we'll, well, what's that big mountain? Well, that's mercy. You never ask for it. We have not because we ask not. So he's got a lot of mercy. And when, we're, when we harbor that mercy, when we keep it close at hand, when we realize that his mercy endureth forever and he wants to give it to us, through prayer, we ask for it and he gives it to us. We keep it close. And then back to normal is also a holy reverence for his precepts. In layman's terms, we have a love 
for his love letter. Look at verse 159. Psalm 119, verse 159. The psalmist says, Consider how I love thy precepts. How long, how long has it been since in prayer you said, Lord, I love your word. I just I just love your Bible. I just, I'm just so thankful I'm a Christian. I really, really love the word of God. You know, when the, when the Spirit of God really works in my heart and I'm really, really convicted and I'm really, really close to Him, now I know He never leaves me nor forsakes me, but there are times when, a lot of times at a funeral or something, I'll just feel like the Lord is sitting right in my lap or I'm sitting in His lap. And it just amazes me how, how powerful and how effective one verse can be during a crisis. His love letter. There's a holy reverence for his precepts. We love them. Verse 159. Consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me. Lord, get me back to normal Christian living. Help me to live in a state of constant revival. Help me to live in a way that the world sees that I love your word. So there we have the 11 definitions of quickening, of revival, of shelah, Sheya in Hebrew. Back to normal is found in humility. Back to normal is help. Getting away from the stuff that's vain and empty. Back to normal is strong hunger for the word. Back to normal is happiness from the Bible. Back to normal is, back to normal is total harmony with the creator. Back to normal is having scripture always at hand. Healing for the pains of life. Back to normal is God hearing our voice in prayer. Back to normal is a lawyer. He's a husband. He's a protector for us. He pleads our cause. Back to normal is a harboring of his mercy, keeping it close at hand. That's what makes it great. And back to normal is a holy reverence for his precepts. Turn to the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Tau, T-A-U, and that starts in verse 169. 169. And as I close this by reading these last eight verses. Notice the cry of the psalmist and notice the praise that the psalmist gets and notice the help that he gets. Verse 169, the psalmist writes, let, let my cry come near before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding. That's one of the times, those five times where he asked for understanding. Give me understanding according to thy word. Let my supplication come before me. Deliver me according to thy word. My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. My tongue shall speak of thy word for all thy commandments are righteousness. God always does the right thing. Verse 173. Let thy hand help me for I have chosen thy precepts. I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Verse 175, let my soul live and it shall praise thee. Let thy judgments help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Now remember, this is a psalmist who probably had committed to memory much of the Old Testament scriptures. And he admits that he goes astray. How much more we probably need to do the same thing. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant. For I do not forget thy commandments. Did you see the cry of the psalmist? Did you see the praise that he was able to lift up? And did you see all the help he received 
because he had a love and respect for God's word. And he wanted to live the normal Christian life. He wanted to live a life full of quickening and full of revival. That's what I want for me. And that's what I want for you. And that's what the Lord wants for us. Okay, let's stand and be dismissed in prayer.